Section 3 of How to Have Bird Neighbors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. How to Have Bird Neighbors by S. Louise Pattison. Real Troubles in Birdland. I said that birds were lovely neighbors. So are some other animals. At my new home, I soon became acquainted with a wild rabbit. Two dogs roamed around in the vacant lots and in the ravine a great deal. Often when I heard them barking, the next thing I saw would be Bunny, running as fast as he could toward our place, with the dogs after him. Bunny could glide through under the garden fence, and that was lucky for him. The dogs were too big and couldn't. I was glad when Bunny came to our place for safety. He liked slices of apple so well that he would come nearer and nearer to get them, until finally he ate out of my hand. One hot day, while Bunny was in our yard, he saw the bird's basin and went there to drink. He had been accustomed to drink at the brook in the ravine, where the water always runs, if there is any. But the brook was dried up at this time of year. The clear, still water in the basin was a new thing to Bunny. He took a long look at it. Seeing himself pictured in the water was another new thing to him, and he looked again and again. Evidently, he thought himself quite handsome, for even after it rained and the brook filled up again, he still kept coming. The basin was his looking-glass. I am sorry for what I have to tell about some other animals. One day, our neighbor's cat lay crouching near the tree under which the chick feed was scattered. A downy woodpecker was just coming down the tree. Kitty's eyes glared. Her teeth chattered. But evidently, the downy did not see her. I scolded Kitty and drove her away. This disturbed the downy, and he flew away too. But that was better than to let him come down where Kitty could jump on him. She could easily have done so while he was reaching over to the ground for a kernel. After this experience, I covered up all the chick feed beside the tree and scattered some in more exposed places, away from any trees and from bushes. I also laid suet on low branches of trees and tied it on firmly, and poked some into small holes of old trees and under the bark. Soon afterward, I saw the same cat again. This time, she was on a branch eating suet. That set me to thinking, if the cat can get to the suet in the tree, she will also be able to get to the birdhouses. Some day, she may find some baby birds in there, not yet able to fly. I did not take away the suet, which the birds like so well. I got some tin sheeting and tacked it around the tree. The cat could not climb over the smooth sheeting. Imagine my surprise when I saw her up there at the suet again. How did she get there, I wondered to myself. Day after day, I watched Kitty before I found her out. One morning, who should go climbing up that tree but a red squirrel? When he reached the tin, he looked around and made a loud chatter. Seeing no one, he took one big jump over the sheeting and went to the suet. After tasting it, he wiped his mouth on the bark as if he did not like it. Then he went over to the bluebird house. The entrance to this little house had been nicked by somebody with sharp little teeth. Now I found out who that somebody was. The squirrel was even now nibbling at the entrance, trying to make it still bigger. At the wren house, somebody had broken off the little porch, which was probably the squirrel's doing also. I wondered what I should do to keep the squirrel from spoiling my birdhouses. Some more tin sheeting, I thought, would fix it so he could not jump over. I put another sheet just above the first one. That made the tin protection 36 inches deep. When the squirrel came the next time, 
He climbed as far as he could, then looked up at the tin. That was too high a jump. He turned, jumped to the ground, and scampered away. The pilfering red squirrel is not to be confounded with the genial gray squirrel of our parks, who loves to take peanuts out of our hands. I still wondered how Kitty had made her way to the suet when the tin around that tree. Surely she could not jump over the tin. As a jumper, the squirrel can beat Kitty any time. One day, I heard a scratching noise. Kitty was sharpening her claws on the bark of the next tree. Every little while, she climbed a few steps up that tree, then sharpened her claws again. There was nothing in that tree that she could harm, so I let her go on. She walked along one of the branches and jumped across to a branch on the other tree, the one that held the bluebird house, and smelled around there. It was early spring. There were no young birds in the house yet, so I let her go on just to see what she would do. Some English sparrows had started to nest in the little house. Kitty pulled out grasses and feathers and spoiled the nest. Now just think how wise she was to plan that all out so nicely. And all she gets for it is scolding. Why should we blame Kitty for liking birds? We like our chicken dinners. We praise Kitty when she catches a mouse or a rat. Some people even entice her to catch English sparrows. How can she know it is good to clean out a mouse nest and naughty to clean out a bird nest? Two things can be done to lessen the loss of birds by cats. First, to safeguard in every possible way every birdhouse, feeding place, and bath. Second, to compel the owners of cats to keep them on their own premises and to lock them up nights. It is at night, when there is no one to interfere, that cats do the most damage to birds. I knew that if Kitty could jump from that tree to the next one, the squirrel could do it too, so I put double tin sheeting on that tree also. But such a clever cat and such a nimble squirrel would also know how to climb the grape arbor, I thought, so I took the wren house off the arbor. This house also had been nibbled and the entrance made much larger. I concluded that the worst of all places for a birdhouse is a grape arbor, a pergola, or a garden arch. A friend had sent me a beautiful wren house. It was shaped like a small barrel and had four rooms. I called it the apartment house. Fortunately, it was made of such hard wood that no squirrel could bite through. I had this house put on a tin-sheathed post on the north side of the house where it would be in shade. For the bluebirds, I put up two new houses. The one that had been up all winter was so smelly of squirrels and English sparrows that I knew the dainty bluebirds would not like it. The time was near for the birds to return from their winter homes. I wanted everything clean and safe for them. End of section 3